Hi there. I'm Zoe Kent, writer for InVivo and Generics Bulletin, and you're listening to the InVivo podcast. Joining me today is David H. Solomon, recently appointed CEO of Women's Health Biotech Mithra. At the heart of Mithra's innovation is Estetrol, or E4, a native estrogen produced by the human fetus during pregnancy. Mithra has already brought E4 to the market as part of a combined oral contraceptive product, and the compound is now being investigated as a treatment for the symptoms of menopause. David, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast today. Do you want to start by just quickly introducing yourself? A pleasure to meet. I'm I'm David Horn-Solomon, and I'm the CEO of uh, Mithra Pharmaceuticals, a uh, publicly traded uh, biotech and pharmaceutical company uh, based in Belgium, but with a presence in over 100 countries around the world. I've been a public company CEO for about 17 years, notably of Zealand Pharma, um, listed on NASDAQ uh, and active in, uh, in metabolism and diabetes, and more recently, Silence Therapeutics, headquartered in the UK and also listed on NASDAQ, advancing medicines in, um, in uh, gene silencing platform uh, for cardiovascular disease and other diseases, a company that's gotten a lot of attention that's been quite successful. Um, I'm particularly excited to be the CEO of, of Mithra uh, for the simple reason that I think it's the time that assets in women's health get full attention. I think we have a terrific uh, management group uh, and board at Mithra, but most importantly, we have, I think, terrific assets that are innovative and that will redefine, I think, where women's health goes for patients uh, and their and their caregivers and their families. So what attracted you to a role at Mithra in the first place? Why, as a man, um, did you want to start running a women's health company? I don't think the gender uh, that one has uh, should either qualify you or disqualify you. I think what's important is to have uh, consideration and empathy in the case of Mithra for the plight of women through the life cycle, uh, you know, the medicines that we're advancing for uh, for the symptoms of menopause or for uh, contraceptives are, are, are not medicines for diseases. They're for part of managing the life cycle uh, of women. And in my case, I am a full believer in empowering women and making sure that everyone is on an equal footing to manage their life cycle, their health. Uh, and in that regard, um, given sort of my stance about empowering women and making sure we do the best thing, I think gender is uh, is less important. Of course, it, it may be better to empathize rather than sympathize by by being a woman through a lot of these uh, these issues. But I don't. I think that if someone is passionate and determined and has the experience to lead a pharmaceutical and biotech company, I think the gender is less important than the attitude of of um, accelerating the mission with uh, with with passion. Um, and you mentioned your previous roles, um, notably at Zealand. Um, what have been the key experiences in your career thus far that have delivered you to where you are today? Well, I think what I've learned um, being a public company CEO is that as a CEO, you know, you have to master a lot of different subject matter and disciplines. And really, it all boils down to being like a great basketball coach. The job of the CEO is really to choose a great team, empower them with you know, great uniforms, great uh, practice facilities, lots of money, and importantly, the right culture, and have them all work together. They score the baskets, not me. I can't score any baskets. And so my job is to sort of 
make sure that, you know, all of them as team members work extremely well, fit for purpose so that we can uh, essentially do the, the, the mission, the task of the company. And in terms of Mithra, I think we have uh, a really fine management team. We'll be adding new members uh, and uh, really everyone understands the mission uh, and everyone is passionate. We have a, a great group of even women in their 30s, early 40s that um, have all the education and skills and now are at the right place in their career to really, uh, you know, make an impact for Mithra and for women. And so I'm particularly excited to lead us as CEO. Have you felt the role of a pharmaceutical CEO has changed throughout your career? Well, it's changed a lot, I would say. You know, when I started out, uh, albeit not so, so long ago, there weren't many people with my sort of background in, in, uh, in medical science. Uh, and, and, and people more had a background from, you know, from sales, from marketing, from inside pharma companies, where they went from pharma companies to be the CEO of biotech companies. And now uh, in this next generation, you're seeing, seeing many more physicians, scientists, uh, people that have really understand a lot of the details of healthcare, but also have backgrounds with an MBA or have backgrounds leading companies at different levels. And so they bring a whole set of skills uh, that are refreshingly important and new to leading leading uh, publicly traded biotech companies. And so, you you know, you see more and more people with my set of background doing that than sort of the old school uh, pharma uh, sales marketing professionals that have risen up with success that move over to the biotech space. For you, what would you say are the traits of an exemplary leader? You, you, you need to listen well. You need to, you know, really understand what, uh, who the customers are, what the markets need. Uh, you need to really listen to the feedback from your team members. Um, and then with all that information, you need to make a real synthesis of what is the strategy of the company and do it with, with clarity, uh, with precision, uh, with discipline, and with a lot of passion. And then make sure the team can deliver operationally with operational excellence. You know, it's the job of, of the CEO to really be not only the chief strategist for a company, but to oversee uh, with the operational discipline to make sure that things happen. They get done. They get done on time. They get done on budget. And uh, that's when things start to happen. Uh, the markets really appreciate timeliness and, and delivery on budget and consistency. They want they want companies each quarter, quarter in, quarter out to say what they're going to do and then deliver on it each quarter. And then there's a level of trust. And with that trust, if they believe in the strategy, investors come and uh, appreciate a company and what they're doing. And, you know, at the finest companies, companies like Regeneron, Amgen, uh, Genentech, you've seen that for several generations of leaders now that have done that with consistency. And that's why those companies are at the forefront of very, very fine uh, biotech companies that in many cases have grown to pharma companies. And how have you brought that attitude with you to Mithra? Well, it, it, it starts um, with the personal attributes. I mean, I, I try like a captain of a ship to be the first one in the in the headquarters each day and the last one out. And I try to lead by example in terms of the passion, the operational excellence uh, and the determination I have to the mission. In our case, uh, bringing great medicines to uh, to women, uh, their families, their caregivers. 
Talk to me now about Mithra's key asset, um, E4, or to give its full chemical name, etc. Um, what makes it different to other estrogenic medicines on the market right now, such as um, ethinylestradiol, which is used in most um, like combination um, contraceptive pills? Right. So, you know, estrogens have been in the market a long, long, long time, you know, really decades and decades for all kinds of indications. And you, you've touched on some of them in terms of the use in, in uh, combination contraceptive uh, uh, pills or medicines. And, you know, along the biosynthetic pathway, you start with E1 called estrone. E2 is uh, estradiol, as you mentioned, uh, E3, and then E4 is estetrol. And the difference is that um, uh, the commonly used form of estrogen, E2 or estradiol, is a maternal estrogen. It comes, it comes from the ovary. And um, estetrol, or E4, along the biosynthetic pathway, the, 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 the estrogen that is our uh, lead medicine in our, in, in our medicines, or the lead estrogen in our medicines, uh, Estelle for contraception and Genesta for the treatments of the symptoms of menopause, E4, or estetrol, is a fetal estrogen. It comes from the liver of, of a fetal through fetal development. So it's a very different molecule on one hand, uh, although structurally it's an estrogen, uh, in terms of its source. But most importantly, um, you know, in terms of a, a deep understanding of estetrol versus uh, estradiol, E4 versus E2, is that it acts on receptors differently. E2 or estradiol acts on both the um, nuclear estrogen receptor and the cell surface estrogen receptor uh, as an as a, as a agonist. It activates those receptors. On the other hand, E4 or estetrol activates the, the nuclear receptor but it's an antagonist or blocks the cell surface receptor. And owing that differential activity on receptors, it actually has a different action that we believe represents uh, a better safety profile because E4 or estetrol, we believe, doesn't have uh, either the breast cancer risk or the blood clotting thrombosis risk that you see in other estrogens, notably E2. And so E4 is set apart from E2 or estradiol as a safer, uh, probably better estrogen to use for all these indications, and therefore will be differentiated uh, in the marketplace to the benefit of, of women uh, in their life cycle. So it has significant benefits um, compared to um, current widely used um, combination contraceptives in terms of the sort of general safety profile when you talk about um, links to breast cancer and blood clots. Um, but what about the sort of less serious, more everyday side effects faced by hormonal contraceptive users? I'm talking about sort of headaches, vaginal irritation, weight gain. Um, what's the relationship between E4 and those effects? I think in terms of weight gain, there's clear evidence that when E4 is used uh, together with the progesterone in uh, an oral contraceptive, we've seen no weight gain. So that you can check the box as being a positive attribute. Um, we've, in, in terms of sort of um, vaginal lubrication, we think that it is also uh, to the benefit of women in that regard. But, you know, we've not gathered per se evidence on that. But we are in the midst of now a phase two study with um, E4 uh, estetrol to look at sexual desire to see whether it has a difference in terms of women's sexual desire uh, being enhanced during menopause when uh, E4 is used 
as a treatment for the symptoms of menopause. And those studies are, are obviously ongoing, so we have no, no data. But we do think across the board that it is a preferred estrogen, estetrol versus uh, uh, estradiol. And therefore, we think uh, it is innovative, and we think, therefore, it will get uh, a lot of attention uh, as a new medicine, both as a contraceptive, uh, as it's marketed now as Estelle, and in the future as Denesta for the treatment of the symptoms of menopause. And you've partnered with, I believe, Maine Pharma for the commercialization of Estelle in the US and Australia and with Gideon Richter in Europe. Why these partners in particular? Gideon Richter is among the world's leaders in women's health. Arguably in Europe, they're approaching number one, uh, especially as Bayer is stepping out of women's health. Uh, they're a company with several billion of revenue in women's health representing 40% of the revenue of that whole company. And so we think in terms of their promotion of Estelle in Europe and Donesta in Europe and other territories, they're extremely well-placed to do that. We're very close to the company and their leadership. And we really think that um, you know they are really terrific in terms of an understanding of these medicines and how they can benefit women. Uh, Maine Pharma uh, is taking a leading position. It's an Australian listed uh, pharmaceutical company with a significant sales force, about 100 salespeople devoted in the U.S. alone to the sales of uh, Estelle, branded as Nextellus in the United States. And they're already seeing significant uh, increases in sales, 20% uh, month on month right now, as we uh, are just a, a bit more in, uh, into the launch beyond one year now. The launch was uh, in early 2022. And so we think that Maine Pharma is doing a good job and the medicine is getting a lot of attention. And we have other aspirations for uh, Estelle in, in the United States as well. But we think these two partners uh, are really doing uh, a really terrific job advancing uh, Estelle on one hand. And we hope and have high hopes that uh, Gideon Richter will be terrific on Donesta in Europe and other territories. And we've touched on um, the US, Australia and Europe specifically there, but um, what is the rollout of contraceptive E4 looking like um, via, via the rest of the world? So, um, you know, Gideon Richter is, is also doing its job well. It's early days. You know how pharma launches go. They're slow to begin and then hopefully there's enough sort of uptake and then acceleration. We're still before that acceleration phase. But I can tell you because the you know the first approvals were in 21 and launches in 22. But I can tell you that you know from the feedback we're getting, it's going well. But I'll I'll have much more to report uh, later, uh, both this year and also in 2024. Speaking of things that are due to report in the near future, um, your second biggest E4 asset right now is Donesta, um, an in development treatment for symptoms of the menopause. Where is that product at in its development cycle? So we've got it to the markets that we're going to file an NDA uh, with the FDA in H2 this year. So sometime before the end of December 2023. And we're on track at present um, for that filing. We're working uh, with our teams and with partners that manufacture uh, uh, Estetrol for Donesta uh, to get that filing ready. And we have high hopes that, uh, in fact, this will be an important, important new medicine for the treatment of menopause and the symptoms of menopause uh, in the United States. So that's the, the goal of our, of our filing to get that uh, 
established in the firmament as a very, very important medicine in menopause. I think one of the important things to think about is that menopause itself is not a disease. It's part of a woman's life cycle. And what we hope to do is basically uh, to alleviate a lot of the symptoms of menopause, hot flashes, changes in hair, changes in skin, in sexual desire, in, in mental status, so that women at the peak of their, you know, professional lives in their 50s and 60s are really able to uh, not be hindered by part of uh, the life cycle of menopause uh, in their in their activities of daily living. Um, and you mentioned um, that you're planning to um, get things into action with the FDA very, very soon in the US. What do you imagine the commercialization pathway is going to look like for Donesta? Well, it, it takes a, up to about a year to get approval from the FDA. Uh, and meanwhile, in the background, while the approval process is underway, we'll be ramping up, obviously, uh, production of Donesta uh, with our with our uh, manufacturing partners. And ultimately, uh, you know, making sure that we have all the distribution channels filled, both in Europe and we're in discussions now for a new uh, a new partnership uh, for Donesta in uh, the U.S. Uh, that'll be important because obviously a large single market with uh, over 175 million women. Uh, therefore, we think the medicine could be very important and impactful in the United States. Uh, so, you know, there's lots to prepare for. But ultimately, it will be up to a farmer partner to sell and market the medicine in the U.S. and for Gideon Richter to do so in Europe and many other uh, territories around the world. Um, I understand E4 has potential applications outside of women's health in both wound healing and neuroprotection. Can you talk to me a bit more about that? It may have those attributes, but I can say that under our new strategy in the company, that's really not the path that we're going to follow. We're, mm. we're hoping to license out uh, E4 for uh, wound healing and neuroprotection just because we think those areas are not really part of the core focus of, uh, of Mithra going forward. On the other hand, we think E4 has an enormous role in uh, IVF or in vitro fertilization. You know that next year, 2024, in the U.S., 2% of live births will be through IVF uh, methodologies. So that's a significant number with a huge amount of healthcare dollars spent on IVF uh, therapy. And so um, we think there's a role for E4, estetrol, because E4 can actually thicken the endometrium, the lining of the uterus. And one of the remaining big problems, it's not gathering eggs, it's not fertilizing eggs, but it's assuring that fertilized eggs can implant in the uterus of, uh, of carrier women uh, so that they can bring the, uh, the pregnancy to term and, uh, and, uh, and a healthy newborn. And so uh, we think that uh, the treatment of women with estetrol may think thicken the endometrium, the lining of the uterus, so that when the fertilized egg is implanted, it has the best chance of success for that woman, for that, for that new family. And so uh, we're, we're thinking about that as a new indication among several others. And so that's the topic ultimately of our R&D teams and discussions with regulators, but we'll be rolling that out more formally in the coming months. Okay, so you're in terms of um, using the product and the IVF space, you're at a fairly early stage with that at the moment. Yeah, we'd have to do a phase two study first to establish efficacy uh, beyond uh, the kind of studies we've already done to establish safety. And so, you know, that it's an activity that will take some time, but we think it's very fruitful 
because there needs to be a lot of new and important innovative support for implantation of fertilized eggs uh, in, uh, in, in women. And we think that's an area where uh, our medicine may benefit uh, uh, families in terms of IVF treatments. We've so far just spoken about what you're doing with E4 at the moment, but you have plenty of other products in your portfolio which don't use this compound, um, including a vaginal ring. Um, could you give me a little update on how the rest of your portfolio is doing at the moment? Yeah, so we, we also wholly own a company inside the Mithra group called Novalon. And inside Novalon, there are several assets that we think are extremely innovative. One is called MyRing, and this is a vaginal ring that contains an estrogen and a progesterone uh, that can release it uh, uh, through vaginal delivery in such a way to be a terrific contraceptive uh, for the full uh, month that the vaginal ring is, uh, is present. Uh, and we think uh, in a lot of territories where compliance is an issue or where the supply of oral medicines is challenged, that this is a, a safe and well-tolerated approach to contraceptives uh, that may appeal to a lot of women and families. Uh, it's uh, unlike IUDs that are put by health professionals uh, in the uterus and that have risk of bleeding or other, other consequences, a vaginal ring can be placed uh, by a woman uh, and uh, managed by her uh, well and uh, not have to take daily pills to manage uh, contraceptive choice. And we think this is a benefit to women, uh, their partners, and family planning uh, in a significant way. Our facility uh, in Belgium can make up to 5.5 million vaginal rings like this called MyRing a year, and it's now being sold and marketed by Dr. Reddy's globally. And we think therefore there's a significant opportunity, not only commercially for the company, but in terms of managing the uh, reproductive life choices of, of women and families. Okay, and your um, non-E4 therapeutics um, also include um, Zoraline and Tibalia. They are both part of the Novavon family. Um, and so Zoraline is uh, a medicine that's in a implant. Zoraline is a, uh, is a generic version of Zolodex, which is an anti-testosterone. And uh, this is for the treatment of prostate cancer. As you know, prostate cancer in men uh, is often driven by testosterone levels. And if you can block testosterone in men, you can often retard the growth uh, of those tumors in the prostate gland. And uh, rather than have to rely on, uh, you know, daily injections of Zoraline, uh, we have developed an implant system that may be useful uh, just under the skin of a very, very tiny implant, a few millimeters long, uh, that can be either for one month or three months of treatment so that you put this in, uh, say, every three months, and men are therefore protected therapeutically against the uh, continued growth of their prostate uh, cancer tumors. And so uh, we're developing this. It's still early stages, but we think it's extremely valuable, not only for uh, these men, but as a way of delivering a consistent amount of, of Zoraline uh, over the period of time, as opposed to other, other means of, uh, of, of uh, delivering the medicine. So that's a Zoraline. Tibelia is a, is a, uh, a pill-based medicine, uh, again, an estrogen, uh, estradiol that's used for also the treatment of the symptoms of menopause. It's uh, sold and marketed in Europe by uh, some of our pharma partners and generates revenue from us, but it's much more of a generic type approach uh, as, 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 as it goes. 
uh, and but we enjoy an upside from that. So those are medicines uh, that are part of the uh, Novalon family, a wholly owned subsidiary of, uh, of the Mithra group. Is there any potential future in which E4 is used in a contraceptive ring like my ring? We think not. Um, it's simply because of the properties of its distribution. We think it's a, a better oral medicine than, uh, you know, a medicine that crosses uh, the endothelial cells, like in the lining of the vagina or other or, or other uh, parts of our bodies. And so we're not anticipating using E4 uh, in a contraceptive ring, but it's possible that uh, uh, other pharma partners will appreciate the vaginal ring delivery and can put other medicines in that delivery modality that might be useful for women, especially in terms of uh, uh, compliance and assuring a very steady state level of uh, of a medicine over time. We don't have any active development in that regard, but we think we're well placed as a pharmaceutical company to begin those developments. But I can say that the future developments of medicine in Mithra are really taking a different direction. We're really starting to focus on innovative new medicines uh, for women's health that are completely separate from estetrol. And if you like, I can touch on those as well. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we think about medicines in women's health, many of the medicines are more generic like medicines. And there's been very few new innovations in women's health. And we think that, you know, Mithra with 70 people in our R&D organization and under the leadership of Graham Dixon, who was earlier the uh, chief science officer at Galapagos, a very successful publicly traded biotech company, we're well positioned to do that. And we start to think about asking the questions in somewhat a different way. It's not, is there a single medicine that can help alleviate the symptoms of menopause, but rather, why does an ovary start to decline? How do we... uh, protect women so that ovaries keep functioning, not for reproductive reasons, but more for the integrity of, uh, of mental health, of hair, of skin, of preventing hot flashes, of maintaining sexual desire through our 70s and even beyond. And the reason we think these thoughts about developing these kinds of medicines is actually looking at you know, the animal world. Among, among mammalian species, uh, humans are kind of unique. If you look at uh, mammalian species like elephants, elephants live to say 70 years and the boys and girls keep reproducing to 65. Chimpanzees live to about 45 years and the boys and the girls both keep reproducing to 35 or 40. And consequently, um, you know, that humans go into menopause is unique. There's really only humans and toothed whales that enter menopause. And it's probably because of the huge cost in terms of energetics Uh, to raise uh, our young ones all the way to maturity and independence that we choose not to have so, so many uh, uh, offspring in later life that humans in an evolutionary way do enter menopause. But obviously it's not adaptive to enter menopause in terms of our ability to contribute for women in society. Uh, We'd be a lot better off if women had all of their abilities, strength, uh, sexual desire, uh, mental health, uh, beyond mid fifties, uh, as as do men, and so we're interested in understanding the biology of the ovary and how we can prevent the ovary from declining, so that uh, actually through new approaches, understanding the biology, we can be a leader in making an ovary continue to work through a woman's seventies, not for reproductive reasons, but more for all the things I talked about through maintaining integrity of women, 
and uh, and their and their normal functioning as they had earlier in the life cycle. And so we're we're a- approaching this as a almost science project, but we think it'll have great benefits ultimately to women, their families, uh, their caregivers, so that we can uh, you know have new and innovative medicines. That's uh, among several approaches we're taking on a new pipeline that we hope we can advance in the next uh, year or so, and that hopefully investors will appreciate as uh, the company grows. Um, In terms of the investor piece, you've been, um, as a company, very notably open with investors, which I know um, the market has appreciated. Um, What is the current financial position of Mithra? At what point do you hope for the company to um, eventually be profitable? Profitability, as you know, for a biotech company takes a lot of time. I mean, mm. as you know, in the U.S. environment, even Amazon is not profitable. They they pour all the money into building new uh, new uh, uh, facilities for uh, you know storing all their packages, hiring new teams, more trucks. The goal of a company like Amazon is to be in everyone's home before it's profitable. The goal of a of a biopharmaceutical company is to advance many medicines. To the benefit of patients, uh, and only in the last instance are they actually profitable when the medicines are actually launched in the marketplace. And so we're not. We're, of course, we want shareholder value to be uh, always top of mind, but simply getting to simple profitability is not the real goal. It's to have a vibrant suite of medicines in our pipeline that address women through the life cycle, uh, and that as they become uh, valuable through. Uh, uh, advancing through the clinic uh, and the share price rises, investors do well, women have more opportunity, and then over time, knock on wood, the company may be profitable. But in, in terms of that development pathway, we think that uh, the company was earlier, about two and a half years ago, near $2 billion in market cap. Uh, it's fallen uh, down for a, a range of reasons, but we think we can build it back up. And that's the goal now of a new pipeline, new management, new leadership and uh, new uh, initiatives of the company to develop innovative medicines. And in terms of the women's health space, um, there is a sort of, I think, perceived and actual um, lack of innovation across the board. Um, Why is that? Why is Mithra such a standout company um, in developing like a new estrogen compound that can be used in medicine. Why is there such a lack of interest um, across the biotech space in this area? There is interest, but, you know, women's health has not been an area where people have largely been hugely innovating. And that's because, um, you know, it's been perceived as not a space where people put a lot of money to work. It's just as the same reasons why women's health has been sort of the poor stepchild in healthcare of not being an area that is considered as important as, uh, you know, treatments for cancer or treatments for, you know, heart attacks. And, and you know, it's also the paucity of women in medicine that has led to that and in biopharmaceutical companies and investing. You know, when the first oral contraceptives were approved at the FDA, everyone around the table at the FDA presenting the data and approving the medicine were men. And, uh, you know, that obviously has changed in the last uh, several generations. But nonetheless, we've not really embraced innovation in women's health to the degree that we should. And I think Mithra is among the first companies to really, really, really do that. And I stand uh, in my career by really 
uh, uh, charging forward on innovation first, whether it was at Zealand or Silence, as you've seen. And uh, I believe that's the same mission that needs to happen at Mithra. So we are really embracing innovation first. And we think that, uh, you know, the markets and payers and uh, investors will come for the journey when they see the importance of these medicines in the life cycle of women. Just to summarise, as we come to the end of our conversation, um, what can we hope to see from Mithra over the next 12 months? What are the big highlights that you and your team are looking forward to um, going forward? Well, with our existing medicines, we hope um, for Estelle to be able to um, show more traction in the marketplace and advance this as a leading oral contraceptive globally. So that's you know goal number one. We hope with Donesta to advance the medicine to a filing and hopefully more partnerships, including in the U.S. In terms of innovation, we hope to you know start to let the markets know and 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 the public know that we are innovating through new things in our pipeline, new medicines in our pipeline, and ultimately hopefully new and impactful partnerships. We can't do this alone. You know, this is a journey that we do with pharma. They're most excellent at, at selling and marketing medicines. We are really doing the innovation. And together, through these kinds of large pharma partnerships that I've had earlier with Zealand and with Silence, we'll be able to actually um, really address a whole area of interest in a woman's life cycle here or in medicine in general. And so I think in the next 12 months, you'll see sort of more partnership ideas or opportunities being advanced as we advance our medicines, as we advance our innovative pipeline, and as ultimately we bring more attention to women's health and bring on new investors to the story. So I think it's a key year for the company, but it's a key year also for putting the focus on women's health at the fore. Uh, women deserve that through their life cycle, not so much as a disease, but through managing their well-being and taking their well-being as seriously as we take the well-being of men. Mm-hmm.